0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Overview Effect podcast with James Perrin. If you haven't already, go back and listen to episode one and particularly the introduction, episode zero, which will give you the full context and background to the show. If you're feeling it, please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on, because what that does, particularly for a new show like this one, uh, really helps to build momentum and to get it on other people's radars. And if you're really keen, please give it a share on Instagram at overview.effect.podcast. We all know that the main reason that people listen to a new podcast is because it's been recommended to them by a friend. So I would really be grateful if you could share it and help get the word out there on this new show. Cool. My guest today, um, farmers are awesome. They grow our food, they work the land, they're connected to nature, and farmers historically, or at least recently historically, have had it really tough, and they've had a really hard slog. Their industry has been controlled by commercialization and industrialization. And it really feels like there's this groundswell amongst the world now moving back, helping our farmers to move move back towards regenerative agriculture and a way of working with the land and using the land rather than trying to fight nature all the time. And my guest today is someone who is at the absolute forefront of this change. He is kind of the face of regenerative farming in Australia. He's a real advocate for it. He's a land care ambassador. He's a past Bob Hawke Land Care Award winner and he's someone who tells this amazing story of how he transitioned the land from taking what he could from the soils to one of giving to the land and working synergistically with it. He has his own podcast called The Regenerative Journey where he speaks with other farmers and advocates of regenerative agriculture sharing their stories. He's also an amazingly down-to-earth and funny human being, and just sitting with him and chatting for the better part of an hour, you realize what an authentic human being he is. So I think you're really going to love this conversation. Please enjoy Charlie Arnott. Yeah, yeah, finding the the I guess the free time uninterrupted for an hour mm. or 3 hours if it's Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> mowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mowing. <laughs> or we'll go for a
1: walk. All right, should we do it? Yeah, let's go.
0: Cool. Charlie, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show.
1: James, thank you for having me in your shed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah. unreal.
0: It's really, it's a great space. I'm going to
1: steal some of your ideas. Mate, just hang
0: two <laughs> removable blankets, and it doesn't sound as much like a shed. It, we there could be.
1: We, it could probably sounds like we're sitting in a very fancy, expensive studio set up somewhere.
0: Which we are. What sounds like? What do you mean? We totally are. <laughs> <laughs> no, well done. Thanks for
1: thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks, mate. Um, I'm I'm stoked to have you here. Welcome to Byron. Um, I mean, you. I feel it. Like, do you live like a split life between? I do. Your farm and here and cities around Australia.
1: Yes, yes, I do. I'm up. I'm I'm up here about two weeks. Well, used to be with the whole COVID thing. It's changed to sort of the, the dynamics of travel, but. Um, I was yeah a couple of weeks and months up here, five or ten days at Burua at my farm where I grew up, mm. and and managing and also a couple of days in between mum and dad in Sydney and other other travels and other other projects on. So yeah, it is. Um, it can be challenging, but as I say, you know, if I can't be in Burua, then the next best place is Byron Bay. Mm. So you know, yep.
0: why not? Must be nice to go back to the farm after being in those major cities. Yeah, totally.
1: It's, <laughs> yeah, no it is. It's my sanctuary and it's where I really find um, yeah, a lot of peace and, and it's you know, I can be pretty creative there.
0: Yeah. Too,
1: which is one of the yeah, it's it's a yeah, beautiful and it's a beautiful spot. I mean, I'm really blessed to be to home, really. Nice. Have you been to Brora?
0: I haven't been to Brora. <gasps> How rude. Yeah. I'm just waiting now for an invitation. <laughs> James you are most welcome to join me anytime. down Uh, Thanks Charlie. Um, Look I like to I like to start um, questions with the same question for each guest which is really the inspiration behind my inspiration behind starting the podcast which is this concept of the overview effect. Mm -hmm. So this is something that astronauts experience when they first go up into space and look back on earth and they have this sense of a changed perspective of the earth and a lot of them come back to Earth with a, a changed values, you know, connected to nature and community, and they have this perspective shift. And I wanted to ask you, have you had any experiences in your life or a period of time even where the way you viewed the world has changed and it's changed the way that you interact with the world?
1: It's a great question, <clears throat> I have to say. Um, I guess what... Has what has led me to this point has been a series or cascade of events, um, big and small. Um, one that that's only really dawned on me more recently, actually, just in discussing you know um, my journey with other people was uh, was watching uh, probably about fifteen years ago, maybe fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago, watching a paddock of mine at Buruwa blow away in front of me. <clears throat> and whilst that wasn't, you know, looking at the earth from space, for me, at that time, it was like I'd, I was looking at the destructive nature of my behaviour, mm-hmm. my decisions, it was right in front of me. You know, I'd sheep, <clears throat> I'd, I remember it so vividly, I'd, I'd crossbred, crossbred ewes in full wool in that paddock and we have been feeding them and it was blowing away and you can hardly see the ewes and i just thought that shouldn't be happening Mm. you know that someone else is going to get my soil i've been trying to build it up ever since um and that, that was a turning point because it really made me ask myself better questions about well why is that soil blowing away you know why why haven't I seen that before and I had I just hadn't for whatever reason I was looking at it totally differently <clears throat> and that was that's been a catalyst certainly for it set some standards now you know I don't want any soil to blow away yeah you know that's 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 a, that's that's a um, that was a significant benchmark well the bottom of the of the dip you know that yeah. was like I'm never going to go back there again.
0: Yeah, And so that led you to start to look at alternate ways of managing your land?
1: It was happening about the same time. Yeah. So um, about that time, I'm talking early 2000s, the millennial drought was just sort of kicking off. It was sort of dragged on for some years on and off. Um, So there was some pressure on the business and on me because the seasons weren't going our way. Um, there was we were moving cattle we had cattle on adjustment on a a couple of different places that means transport and feeding them there and carrying on it was just there was a number of things that were taking place that were normal i had been doing them forever as in when i was a kid and dad did it and i I did it when i was managing but i just for whatever reason started. maybe it was maturity maybe you know there were some epiphanies there was one thing I did, went to, I went to a course called um, Profiting from the Drought. It was a one-day course, which in itself sounds ridiculous. But I, that's, why I, that's why I went. I went, oh, this has got to be something, something hopefully something in this. And I went. <clears throat> and it really was probably the first time that um, I was asked questions that I hadn't been asked before by the facilitator. And they were, one of them was, are you happy? And I said, oh, I'm not, not unha- unhappy. Um, which is, you know, pretty piss poor answer. Mm. And then I was just encouraged to ask myself much better questions about what, what, what was I doing? You know, case in point: Why is that soil blowing off my paddock? Why? <clears throat> why am I okay for that to happen? What have I done that's led led things to that point? So that was. <clears throat> so there was a series of things that that, that happened um, that that I couldn't ignore and I couldn't you can't unsee and you can't unhear you know and, and the more I read the more I spoke with other people who were shining examples of what I thought the sort of farming I'd want to do you know I felt much more comfortable heading, heading into that that direction back to your <clears throat> your question though James um, about the you know standing back and looking at something from afar <clears throat> in 2006 so mates and I walked the Kokoda um, Track, oh yeah, and that for me was um, oh it's pretty tough, but it was a hopefully not somewhat cliched example because it's you know it, it's it's more and more people are doing it, which is which is great. <clears throat> I guess I'm, there's some concern around the environmental you know um, impact of that now, but in terms of being in a situation, that was very foreign. Understanding the history and appreciating what we had, what I have, you know, the mates I have, <clears throat> the life I lead, you know, and 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 that as a ref, I often use it as a reference point when I think about, um, you know, when things are getting in my <clears throat> in my head a bit tough. Yeah. You know, I think, oh well, I wasn't an Aussie <laughs> soldier. I wasn't a digger on the totally. Dakota a track. You know, like yeah some of this horrendous i mean on both sides It was no fun for anyone there <clears throat> and that's a reference point absolutely um and that I came away from that with a different perspective on on my um on my situation and my um yeah very broadly i'm not necessarily talking about regenerative ag or or anything in particular but just my life in terms yeah. of i'm lucky to be living in this in this
0: age being grateful yeah
1: totally, <clears throat> you know the parents i have the friends I have. The the um, the ease and grace, well, the ease and grace came a bit later because that was a, a result of being grateful, you know. But mm. the I was you know, I was comfortable. Yeah, you know, I didn't have people shooting at me. I didn't. I wasn't fifteen. My grandfather, my mum's dad, he he signed up when he was fifteen. He went to his in, wow. in, in the light horse. Yeah, he turned sixteen on the boat over there. Pretty sure that's that was his age. Sure, fifteen then turned sixteen took his horse, took his saddle, <clears throat> and off he went 15, sixteen, yeah,
0: and fought a war far out like
1: i didn't know I could have my ass from my head
0: when I was yeah.
1: sixteen you know
0: it puts things like um, it puts things into perspective when say we get frustrated that you know traffic or like mm. dirty dishes <laughs> you know <laughs> like
1: <laughs> Really, <laughs> do you follow the sort of Stoic principles and that? Oh, sort I love of it. <clears throat> Marcus Aurelius, and Seneca. Stoic, yeah. and, oh,
0: love it. Yeah.
1: I mean, that that again was not no, it's certainly not an answer to your original question, but in, certainly in terms of the 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 context of m- my life and and how I frame it up, that's been very helpful. Mm. You know, and just just it's like, you know, I'm glad that we have challenges to to to, to meet. Yeah, because it makes us stronger, you know. Yeah, um, and it's a bit like <clears throat> we're sort of getting we're getting way off topic, James. But I think it's good. <laughs> no, I, I just I just think of the you know being a parent and children. Yeah, you know, and and it's sort of how, how how one might parent, and and my um, my favorite parenting quote is our job as parents is to prepare our children to leave us. Yeah. And you know what? <clears throat> if our kids sorry I keep on um coughing, scratching my throat, you know, if our kids leave us whatever age, 18, eighteen, let's just say, and they just have no idea and uh uh you know, don't have <clears throat> the get up and go, don't have the initiative, don't have common sense, don't have you know, the practical skills skills to survive, let alone flourish, then that's our fault. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we've really failed as parents, and that sounds harsh, um, but it's true. It's like you know who that is our job.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that was actually one of my moments in like one of my, I guess, changed perspectives was having my son, my my son who's my firstborn, because it's like that was the probably the first point in my time I really truly started living for someone else rather than just myself. And we can do selfless acts and, you know, be good people. But for me, having a kid, it was like truly sacrificing part of myself for someone else's, Mm. you know, development and and love and and quality of life. So that's a great great way to bring it back, you know. Totally. Um, Who knew we were going to start there? That's great.
1: We, we're just going to, have to push on through, James. We've set a high, high, high benchmark already. Well, yeah, we'll be solving world problem. Well, we'll solve the world problems by the end of the. <laughs> we will.
0: Isn't that, that's what every podcast episode does, right? <laughs> Let's <laughs> um, hope high expectation. I do. I do want to ask you about. Um, I mean, your your story is really well told. Um, so instead of, I guess, retracing your story as much, I'd. I'd like to ask you a bit about your perspectives on um, industrial agriculture and then regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. And maybe just start with your view on some, someone who grew up around and, and even practicing conventional, quote, industrial agriculture. What are the impacts of that? How did how do you see, what are the, the how has that shaped our world?
1: Um, that's a whole podcast series James, really. <laughs> um, Well, it had a big impact on me, um, and that's, I guess, why I stepped away from it. But up to a certain point, that's all I knew. So growing up on a farm, conventional practices, lots of chemical input, lots of output, a lot of prescriptive farming... Um, you know, you get a list of chemicals you've got to spray on your crop that you've sown at a
0: particular rate to get a particular outcome. And you know. so, you're being told what you need to, what products you need to use.
1: Well, it was we had... and I, I guess one of, I mean, if one could write a list of characteristics of industrial farming, one might be that it's very prescriptive, that mm-hmm. you, it's 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 very recipe based, that that you have <clears throat> all your variables in front of you, and and they're all measurable, and um, you apply this, this, and this, and you will get that outcome. Right. And this is a, this is a very it's a it's a very science based way of approaching anything,
0: which know? is which I guess could be called reductionistic in some ways. Totally.
1: Yeah. Deplative. Um And it, you know, there's a real there's no connection with nature. There's very little. The connection with nature is that it is a resource to be used, mm. and it's an input. Right. It's like oh, I need dirt. Oh, I'm you know I'm standing on dirt. That's my medium to to make sure a plant doesn't fall over. Yeah, right. That's pretty much like a lot of the soil is nowadays. So we do a soil test and you go oh, I'm you know I'm, I don't have enough phosphorus. So I'll go and put that on because you know. But that's just not the way nature works, of course. So it was very prescriptive. Um, it was we were very busy. <clears throat> there was a lot of. We had abdicated a lot of our decision making to other people. Um, decision about price, decision mm. about what we put on, you know, like the fertiliser, the chemicals we put on. Um, market-based decisions were often not made by someone else, but we were very, we're at the whim of the market, you know. Mm. So, um, and and again, that's all I knew, and that's what that's that's to me that's what farming was about, you know. We, we we had to make some money, and we our our relationship with the landscape was very economically based right how can i use you transact absolutely well it wasn't even transactional it was like we're just taking right you know it wasn't much give back i mean having said that though we did plant trees we fenced off areas where there was erosion we did something we weren't like total vandals but i guess there was there was efforts made to probably visually and and aesthetically um improve yeah, you know, more trees, we'll put a tree line here and we'll fence that erosion off so it doesn't look as bad, you know. Sure. Didn't really have an appreciation of what the bigger picture, bigger impact of not having trees or, or, or that erosion. So so there's the sort of the input side of industrial farming, um, the abdication of decision-making, the, um, when it comes to inputs, I mean, a lot of chemical use. Yep. You know, and again, that's all we did. I mean, as, as to, you know, through the 80s and through the 90s, there was less ploughing and the, and the plough was replaced by the spray cart. Right. So, you know, ploughing was to basically get rid of weeds. Um, so you can sow a crop and then but however, that was destroying soil structure. So we, we then, um, move into chemical, um, use to sort of kill the weeds. But then that has a whole cascade of impacts as well. Yep. You know, which are well documented now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an impact on my health, I think, um i don't have headaches every day and you know i don't have two heads but but the you know it does worry me what what's what what i have what's inside me now what i've been exposed to sure um and then your reference about children there before james you know about the time i was changing i met my wife and you know we had children and you know i was like just no way i don't want them walking into a wave you know like a Um, of of chemical you know Um, so I guess back to your question there's a there's a there's a there's a there's no there's very little relationship or appreciation of or um, partnering with nature in an industrial ag system Mm. you know Um, we we sacrifice the environment
0: subsidises
1: the food that's produced in that in that sort of system
0: yeah, wow. That's a really interesting way of describing it. The environment subsidises it totally, and that's
1: seen in the, in the cost of food. Yeah, cheap shit food. Yeah, you know. And not, I mean, I'm, we can talk about the processed stuff, but just the stuff that is in a sh- on the shelf that is that is labelled as fresh. It's like yeah, it's fresh because it's not you know rotten, <laughs> but yeah. you know, let's go and do a nutrient analysis of it. Let's go and yeah. test how much chemicals on it. Yeah. Man, you know, I did not... There's no way I would have made a loaf of bread out of the wheat that I used to sell. Wow. We used to kill our own animals, you know, like lambs and, and, and cattle. And I didn't... I wasn't thinking about that. You know, we used to backline them and drench them. There would have been chemical residue. Yeah, we yeah. don't. You know, there's withholding periods and all the all the, the rules and regulations. But, you know, I, I wouldn't eat meat now that
0: I'd known had, um, had been backlined or anything. Wow. I just wouldn't do it. And so how does that... You've painted that picture really well. And so how does that contrast to regenerative agriculture? Because we hear the word regenerative agriculture Mm. a lot. And I think people largely understand what it means, but maybe some people's perspectives of it can be quite broad. So what what does that mean to you?
1: Well, it's a good point. I mean, I try and sort of keep it fairly fairly broad, which is reflective of its very Mm non-prescriptive nature. <clears throat> um, just to take it back a step, we're not certified organic or biodynamic. We use those principles. Yep. For me, certification is a way of, you know, it's an auditing system to make sure you identify what you're not doing. I'm not spraying chemical. Yep. And so when, <clears throat> you, know, I, I know, you know, I hear a lot about people going, oh, we've got to make sure that there's a definition, agreed definition of regenerative ag because we don't want it bastardised and we don't want charlatans coming in and pretending it is when it isn't. It's like, well... The only way you're gonna do that is set up a certification scheme and the only sort of sort of certification scheme that will be of any value is one that tests the quality of the food produced, because the current ones don't. Yep. So <clears throat> I guess that may be a definition of regenerative ag is, is food that is is um, produced in that system is is clean. And I say clean is like, you know, lack of chemicals, no chemicals, ideally. And is nutritious and 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 of value to us, you know, from a um, eating point of view mm. so that's the end result of things like partnering with nature And i want to say that you know i now consider as a sort of reference to well as a um, uh, comparison of what we used to do the, nature is our most valuable business partner because right? we because it is you know it's the most present the most um, the most ever, you know, everlasting, the most, the most influential, the most powerful thing that's in our business. Yeah. All right. And, and a lot of the time we used to spend focusing on it, but the parts of it that were out of, out of our control. You know, I hope it's going to rain. I hope my paddocks don't blow away. You know, because of the wind and whatever. You know. Mm. So- now we sort of we well we. We don't sort of, we do. We consider it a really valuable business partner. And, you know, in any business, your partners, they give and they take and they, there's contribution and there's, there's understanding and there's respect. Yeah. You know, and, and we now
0: have that for nature. It sounds like, I mean, you described before, I guess, industrial agriculture was very take, 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 whereas um, regenerative agriculture is, is more of a mindset of understanding that you're part of the system and there's, there's give and take. And it's not just a one-way transaction. Would that be a fair way of describing it?
1: Yeah, it's you know we have, or well, one has an abundance mindset that it's not all about taking. There's that there, you have, there is some give back, and there's there's leave some fat on it sort of stuff. Mm. You know, it's not all about what what I get out, what I can get out of this transaction or this this creation or this production. Mm. Um, you know, the nature. By its very nature, is always trying to move to a more diverse situation. <clears throat> There's lots of things going on in, in when it's trying to do that, and and you know we we can, industrial ag tries to simplify by taking bits out, like taking weeds out of a crop, by having just one species that roams around a farm, by you know killing all the in, you know, insects because they're they're a pest and they're yeah. you know like we try and reduce it back to your phrase reductionist mindset absolutely so we're in an abundance mindset and we appreciate that it's that abundance and the diversity that nature is trying to move towards is our best friend because you know nature will even with us turning up in this country all those years ago with our sheep and our cattle and our all the tools we had and you know had sort of destructive mindset <clears throat> nature is very forgiving to mm. a point um and it will heal itself. we just got to open the way for that to happen by stepping out of these systems and by letting it diversify. And that's, not, that's a wonderful thing, <clears throat> just in, in, in one sense, James. You know, A more diverse pasture, right, which is what, what this landscape was full of you know, through the grazing of kangaroos and megafauna and God mm. knows what else. It provides a wonderful diet. Like us, if we if we just turned up to the buffet, and all there was was that ruddy yellow rice, you know that stuff yeah. that's always left at the end of the sultanas. <laughs> yeah, like man, that, we get sick of that. Quick smart.
0: Oh, most people don't even touch it. No,
1: that's why it, that's why it's still there. It's like a monocrop. It's like putting sheep into yes. a paddock and it's all oats. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a crop.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They go around the outside first and they eat that and then they go, oh, God, i better eat this yellow rice. <laughs> but if you turn up to a buffet and there's a whole lot of good stuff, you get a bit of this, bit of that, yes. that, and you enjoy your meal a lot more. It's the same as sheep and cattle or pigs or anything, grazing in that situation, whether it's a native or not, um, or domesticated, you know, they require a diverse diet to remain healthy. And, and, you know, by us stepping away from, you know, changing the way we manage our pasture, for instance... We don't worry about the weeds and try and spray them out, and we graze in a particular way that encourages perennial species to come back into the landscape, which is pretty much what most of the landscape was. Then, we're we're creating reasonably easily because nature's doing it for us a diverse pasture, a diverse diet. Yeah, and that that and, that, and anything grazing that, whether it's a you know a kangaroo or a cow, is going to be healthier for 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 that. That being its diet, mm.
0: yeah. I want to say something potentially controversial. What most people, would <laughs> say, what most people would say is controversial. Oh, I love
1: controversy. Yeah. Well, let's go there. Um,
0: well, that is that you're a you're a farmer and a, a, a livestock farmer, mm. and I'm a vegan, mm. right? And social media um, advocates. Mm want us to hate each other.
1: Mm.
0: They they like there's there's all this divisiveness mm. out there, mm. right? That but between I'm in this group and you're in that group and we have opposing views. Mm. But what I think is really interesting is that if you actually look on a deeper level, you and I are saying the same thing, mm. which is there's a problem with our food system. Totally. And and I think the pitfalls of what I've come to realise as a as a vegan is that um, the pitfalls of the vegan argument, or some some of the pitfalls of what some vegans believe, is that um, concentrated livestock and concentrated feedlots are awful, mm. which is valid. So I don't want to take part in that, which mm. is fine. But then here's an alternative processed product right like a fake meat or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so i'm going to we should do that because they if the, the numbers by which we're measuring it uses less land uses less water and has less xyz mm. but the thing that i've come to realize is that that system is just substituting one problem with another it's mm. just substituting it with um monocrop as you were talking about or gm soy like Friends don't eat. let friends eat the impossible burger, you know, because it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, you don't know what's in it.
0: Um, and and it's just, if the problem is a disconnection from kind of nature and the natural cycles and our food system, then going to something that's a highly engineered, highly over, mm. over-processed mm. food is a further disconnection or it's just another substitution of that.
1: Um, it, it perpetuates a not dissimilar problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's a different type of food. It's a different symptom, but from it's the same. Still, yeah, the, the,
1: pro, the product. There, there's quest- There's questions around the production of that food, as there is around the production of the you know the the highly intensive um, animal production stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. And so I think that's that's something that I've come to realise as a as you know people are trying to find the silver bullet, mm. you know, like if we could just all switch to this, then it would solve every problem in the world. Totally. Whereas for me, something that really resonates with me that you talk about is um, it's, it's working on, I think you've called it the paddock between your ears, mm. right, and changing your mindset shift and working mm. with nature. And that's really what you and, and regenerative agriculture and your kind of allies are trying to promote. Mm. Would you agree with that?
1: I would agree with everything you say, absolutely. And I and I thank you for bringing it up because it's it's um it's really important. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have this conversation that this conversation has had between, um, and it's not and it doesn't have to be this or that. It can be it can. it's in you know, I always like saying you know it's not this or that. It's and you know well, well,
0: nothing nothing is ever this and that. No, right? that's right. <laughs> like, for us to believe that I'm right and you're wrong, and I believe this and you believe that, I think mm. is, it's just perpetuating division. Um, you know I I think that um, but when I do look at livestock production Mm. one thing I'm mindful of is well at the current rates of consumption of meat products around the world that that to me seems unsustainable yeah just the amount of it that we as humans are consuming and even if we transition to farming practices that are totally regenerative and in cycles with nature. I don't even know if we could feed the world on our current levels of meat production and consumption. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I do believe that putting aside the sort of the, the practices within the regenerative ag sort of framework, that that it can feed the world. It has the possibility. It's possible to feed the world, not tomorrow. We can't just go, oh, turn all that off and do it tomorrow. That's that's that would be a, a really worthy goal, and I think it's achievable over some period of time, whatever whatever period of time that is. So, um, I I agree that um, it's the way it's the way forward within the context of regenerative ag. Um, I believe animals play a role, mm. as, as animals have always played a role in in every ecosystem around the world. There's nowhere in the world that is not an animal in. That's that's eating a plant or in in, in some interaction totally. symbiosis with it. So, you know, we, the not necessarily this conversation because because this is this is this is not one of those conversations. But in a conversation where, you know, the, either side or both sides want to have it out, right? You know, which is not where I tend to want to take any any conversation. But in that conversation, I always like to start with what we agree on. Mm. What needs do we share? Do we need to? Um, maybe eat better as as individuals, as families, as communities. You know, do we need, you know, whatever that might look like. But, you know, in terms of processed food versus fresh food, you know, organic food versus non-organic, yeah, that's it. So we agree on that. We probably agree on things like environmental issues, you know. Um, we want to curb the use of chemicals. We want to stop erosion. We want to, um, you know, reduce the, you know, carbon disappearing into the atmosphere. You know, there's some there's lots of things that... That any in this sort of a um, you know situation would want to agree on, and I think that's where you start. Yeah. It's like, can we just get clear on what we do agree on before we go and go somewhere else? And then that's an easy starting point to then go. Well, if we agree on that, then let's look at our different points of view, if there if there's a different point of view, mm. and see where our points of view actually align with our needs or the need the general needs that we've now agreed on. And when you do that that's a valuable conversation to have. Yeah. You know? Um, and I agree with you in terms of the comments of, <clears throat> you know, often it, it'll be generalised that all meat consumption is bad. Yeah. You know, that that's... And I go, oh, well, yes, there's parts of it that absolutely is. The consumption and of, of, the, of the other part of the equation of the bloody factory farms that are, and the food that's been produced, right? I, I wouldn't eat it myself. Mm-hmm. But let's not throw it all in the one basket, it's a bit like saying, "Let's not throw all vegans in the one basket." Yeah, yep. You know, because there are very, very considered, mindful, educated, thoughtful vegans that are out there who just, for whatever reason, don't want to eat meat. And I don't have a problem with that at all. Mm. And there's another end of it that is much more vocal about it. So, um, you know, if you know, we can have this conversation because
0: we're we're standing on an equal footing. Mm. Um, so, you know. I think it's just important, exactly as you say, to – I hope anyone that's listening, and I I don't know if anyone is listening, you know, like, hi, mum. Um, I I hear hear it's going viral. It's going viral. (laughs) Um, But It's gone gone COVID. If anyone is listening that um, is, I guess, traditional, from a quote-unquote traditional kind of farming diet, maybe one of your followers – I hope that they go it, it maybe sparks a thought in them that goes well you know okay maybe all vegans aren't don't just want to shut me down and aren't all terrible people and likewise I hope any vegans that maybe my friends or followers don't go hang on every single person who farms anything to do with animals is not evil yeah you know it's important to as you say come from an equal footing and go well we both agree on a hell of a lot of things here yeah we both agree on changing in one way shape or form our current, Food system, mm. and being more conscious of where our food's coming from and how it's made and what we're consuming, um, and I, I just think that's a really important um, point for us to make as we sit across the table here.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's you know, the, I look at I look at the sort of the the environment oh. of this conversation in three ways. There's a, sort of a, you know, and this, and this relates to both both sides, if they're, you call it sides or different viewpoints. One is the environmental sort of foundation of the you know the, the conversation environmental the nutritional and the ethical Right mm. now the ethical that's a tough one because it's very subjective
0: sure that's person person's opinion yeah. and you're not
1: gonna no, no one's gonna say you know i oh, thank you for changing my mind about that you know after a half hour conversation this is not gonna happen yeah. and that's fine you just don't bother going there and the environmental and the nutritional um there's lots of science around that. This is reasonably objective. So if one wants to bash through that, they can as well, which is which is great. Um, in term I guess, looking at the the environmental and something that's that is certainly not a catchphrase, but something that that, that sums it up well. And I, you know, is is the phrase? It's not the cow; it's the how. Mm. You know, it's not the cow; it's the how. It's not like all cows are bad. Let's not have them. Um, and that's a, that's a whole conversation around the bison in North North America and the and the wildebeest in Africa and how they created the grasslands that are now being cropped and monocrop to produce plants. You know, yeah. so that's another conversation. But you know, okay, cows are in the world; they are here to stay. Yes, they're not so much wild wildebeest and bison now. They're the, the domesticated bovine numbers aren't dissimilar to what they used to be. Um, but it's how they're farmed, you know, how yeah. they're produced, and you know, and 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 for your listeners that may not know, uh, uh, a cow, to keep it simple, grazing grass, you know, in a in a paddock, um, in a let's I mean, has to say natural environment, but at least they're out, you know, in a grazing situation, sure. is a much more environmentally, um, dare I say, beneficial scenario, well, definitely beneficial compared to the alternative of being in a. In a feedlot situation, and and that for me, you know, if that's all I get to put on the table about this with someone who doesn't agree with me, that's all that's fine because it for me that's a pretty, again, you know, reasonably science based, objective way of just saying, you know what, I agree with you. Yeah. Factory farm animals is not what nothing I want to have anything to do with. It, yeah. You
0: know? I think, and I think, like if we were to try to boil it down, it's for me it it comes back to. um Eat locally, eat whole foods, no. Right, don't eat anything your grandma wouldn't recognise as food. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and eat a diversity of it. And it's like, if you do that...
1: That's gonna, that, that expression's going to have to be great-grandmother soon, because yeah, we're getting think. further away from that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but it, like, if you just mm. do that, if you just go back to what's simple and natural and local, mm. I reckon a lot of the jargon around numbers and stats and this and that just goes away that's that's just superfluous conversation
1: yeah i agree and and you know it sort of it goes a bit to our conversation earlier around what i have been offline about you know local food systems and and you know how this whole covid thing has changed you know people's um people's viewpoint you know like how they're getting how they're sourcing their food mm. where they're sourcing it from the, the you know the, a system based on highly processed food or or food that's traveled a long way uh, you know highly packaged whatever there's so many points at which you can break down yeah um and it has
0: yeah um that was, that was one of the great things that i saw out of the the lockdown i mean it's weird to say that but um like seedlings and seeds were just – you couldn't get them mm. because everyone was just planting their own food because they were becoming mindful of where it was coming from.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if it was mindful or just sheer panic. Yeah, true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Forced them to be mindful. Do you
1: reckon people were growing trees to produce toilet paper in a few years' time? Oh, They're that's just genius. Going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they were in there for the long haul.
0: Yeah, you're, you're steps ahead, Charlie. <laughs> pretty rough, pretty uh, rough toilet paper at that. <laughs> um, one thing I'd like to understand from you is what can – so what can people do? Like what, what are some steps that people can take as individuals to, I guess, be more in touch with their – be more conscious of their where their food's coming from and how it's being produced and in a way that it'll have benefits for our environment? Good
1: question. Um, the simple answer is ask better questions. Ask better questions of all through the all through the the system. <clears throat> Whether that's, um, you know, going to well, dare I say supermarket, going to the, wherever you're buying your food, you know, the guy at the at the at the um at the farmers market, ask him does he did he grow this, mm. you know, um, ask your butcher where the meat's from, you know, is it grass fed, um, ask the waiter in the restaurant is this grass fed, you know, I say I go in a restaurant and there's you know, beef on the menu and I ask the waiter. <clears throat> Is it grain or grass fed? And, and it's, fun, it's funny, sometimes they go, oh, of course it's grain fed, sir, because you know, they think that's mm. the cool, groovy thing. And I say, oh, that's a pity, I'll have, I'll have the fish then. Mm. You know, they don't know what to do. Or well, half the time they don't know. So asking better questions is always a good thing because you make people accountable for what they're doing, mm. whether it's the guy at the farmer's market or the butcher or whatever. Um, so you know, being more informed, being more curious, and you can have a number of motivations to do that. One might just purely be purely from health. You know, asking questions will, will get you to make a more informed decision about what you're going to feed your, your, your children. Mm. Like, don't, if you're not going to do it for you, do it for your kids. Um, so, you know, finding the more nutritious food, asking how it was produced, you know, free of chemicals and so on. Um, I would be suggesting people do that. And don't be afraid, be curious, be courageous. Because it's your health, it's your, you know, your potential longevity of your children that, that that's at stake here. This yeah. is quite literally, especially with chemical loading on, on fruit and veggies and that sort of thing. So that's probably the main one. Um, I mean, there's also a more general one of just getting out into nature and app- appreciating nature for what it is as as the healing, the healing force. Um, you might be familiar with Zach Bush, Dr. Yeah. Zach, Bush. Zach know, Bush. The Biome, Breathe Your Biome. I mean, the, the guy is a legend that, you know, triple board certified doctor on paper, very conventional, not so much conventional medicine, but that's his background.
0: Yeah. He ticked the box on paper oh. of any medical standard. Totally. Right? Yeah.
1: So he has, he's very credible, but the wonderful thing he's stepped outside of that sort of medical box of prescriptive medicine, you know, a bit like prescriptive farming, or we were talking about before, and he's stepping into nature, and his nature is being one of the most powerful healing elements on the earth, on earth you know. Mm-hmm. like for, We think we're pretty smart with all our medicines and our pills and stuff, <laughs> which most have been sourced from, and now synthetically made, which were based on a plant anyway. Yeah. But... Um, you know, just stepping into nature has, is, has healing qualities, absolutely. You know, and there's lots of... There's actually a whole lot more science around it now, around, you know, the... You know, they're using placebos and controls and everything. And that, <clears throat> you know, some of... Just, just being in touch with nature and having a... You know, building your immune system and the the feeling that it gives you and the, the sort of the, the calming qualities is much more powerful than any drug that can ever be prescribed yeah. to anyone. You know, And it's free yeah. and it's fun and it's good for kids. It's like preparing your kids to, to leave us. You know, Teach them how to fall out, of, fall not fall out of a tree, climb a tree. <laughs> teach them how to land softly.
0: But it's okay if they fall occasionally. Totally. Right? Yeah.
1: You actually want them to fall out a few times in the first couple of branches. Yeah. You know, they, they, they'll work it out. I get the slingshot out. Just Oops. ping them off. Just
0: to, <laughs> just to keep them on their like, toes.
1: You're like, like soaring branches <laughs> halfway through so they get on there and it snaps yeah. off. Good, I I'll think I'll, I'll use that one. Um, getting yeah. out there, be, being barefoot, do your grounding. I mean, th- I guess they're all the good things about getting into nature, um, and, and you know, and then being in environments where there's whether it's the food you put in your in your mouth or the environments and the the, the chemicals used in an environment where you know he's a big um, he, he's done a lot of research. And he knows a hell of a lot about the the the, the um, impact of epigenetics. Mm. You know, that the, the, the chemical in food or in the environment can change the expression of our genes like that, you know, and that, you know, it's it's our choices we make, you know, the deodorant the we wear, the crap we spray on the kitchen bench, mm. the food we put in our mouths, you know, even, I mean, <clears throat> and there's a whole lot of conversation about the people you hang out with, you know, I mean, the toxic people in the world yeah. that, you know, yeah. that... That are uh, there's a there's a fellow I have to reference called Dr. Patrick McManaway, and um, if you have show notes, put him in there. He's a he's such a lovely guy, and he does a lot of work around the world, and and especially here in Australia with farmers about subtle energy. Okay, so a lot of the energies we can't see, we can't feel, or some can feel, but they're very um, present and they're very powerful, and he. Um, teaches people how to tap into them in a positive way and how to um, nullify them as well mm-hmm. uh, he's done some work with me um, around in Byron Bay area and um, one of the great things he said was many many one of the many things he said is we're talking about food and and um, he said uh, um, you know, someone said oh what's you know what's the difference between eating a McDonald's hamburger and a bad thought? You know, what, like sort of trying to reference the two, what was worse, and he said, you know what, give me a McDonald's hamburger every day. Wow. Negative thoughts, persistent negative thoughts and someone is far, far, far more detrimental to your body, your spirit, your mind, your health... Yes. ...than an occasional McDonald's hamburger. I'm not suggesting we all go and... Go, oh, phew, I'll go and eat burgers now. <laughs> but he makes the point that if we... Yeah. If we're if we're in a sort of a, this sort of feedback loop loop of negativity, whether it's internal or external mm. or both, it, it literally can kill us. Wow! Or we kill ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And it's I guess that comes back to stress as well. You know, if you're stressing about every single thing in the world or every single decision, then that's going to have an impact. Like stress, we know stress raises heart disease and migraines and all sorts of things and god knows what else what else it does to our bodies Mm. and that's that's playing on that you know negative thoughts and stressing and negative people and divisiveness coming back to divisiveness is just fueling all of that
1: and there's you know there's sort of um hatred you know there's sort of it's a big conversation about you know what that is to harbor hatred for someone Mm. You know, or, I mean, you know, it's that great, great quote or expression, you know, you forgive someone not for their sake, but for your own, mm. you know, to, to have harboured that, yeah. that hate, resentment, whatever that is, anger, it's like, it's, it's only hurting you.
0: Yeah. I've heard it described as um, holding a grudge is like eating poison and hoping for the rat to die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like, there's no logic to it at all. Is it? Yeah. There?
0: yeah. Charlie, I knew when I invited you and it would be an amazing conversation, and I knew that we'd talk about regenerative agriculture.
1: (laughs) Did we talk about that much? A little bit, but I didn't know (laughs) that
0: regenerative agriculture would be the vehicle and the analogy for a much broader philosophical conversation, and I'm really really glad we had it. That was cool. I really thank you for taking the time and coming on board
1: well i think you know we danced with the conversation it went went where it needed to go
0: yeah i mean we we said at the start we're going to solve the world's problems i'm pretty sure we did (laughs) (laughs) line up the next one yeah yeah awesome mate thanks again james it's been a pleasure
1: and um and yeah i um i trust your listeners find that of some value and and well done you for creating your podcast and putting um, you know telling people stories
0: and and being a voice out there that's wonderful pleasure mate my mum and dad will be happy to hear it (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: sure they will Uh,
0: thanks mate that was great there we go that was great what did you think it was
1: great I love love it I love it that's easy